I think speculative has such a negative connotation that people forget the point of speculation. Uh, speculation is actually, in, in moderation, is societally beneficial. The point of speculation is to look at things that don't work and say, maybe this can work. And if we pour more resources into it, then we can turn it from not working into working. And that's the, and that's, that, that, that's the market signal is people spend their money on what they think will work in the future. And then people have resource, and then people have resources to develop that and, and, and expand it. And you can literally will, will creation into reality. Hey everybody, Tanner here with Wagme Ventures. On today's episode, we have Fubar, founder and CEO of Delegate. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagme Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting builders and founders from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Fubar at Delegate. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Fubar, founder and CEO of Delegate. Fubar, what's up? How's it going today? Hey, thanks for having me on. Doing great. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This is really pretty exciting opportunity for us to get to chat. So, you know, we're here to talk about Delegate, obviously. But first, I'd love to ask a little bit about you at a really high level, of course, if that's cool. Because you're obviously a well-known figure within the crypto Web3 world. And, you know, before this, you were working on some interesting stuff. And I, I saw elsewhere how you had discussed how the openness of Web3 was part of what enticed you to jump in. And so I'm curious if you could expand for the listeners maybe what that inflection point looked like for you of initially jumping into Web3, maybe elaborating on the aspects of Web3 that kind of initially attracted you to the space. Yeah, great question. It, my entry was a little different than most other people. I think most people get their start by seeing Bitcoin price go up, buying some on Coinbase, maybe the dog coin, who knows. For me, I was obsessed with the open source world. I came from a machine learning background where you had, this was several years ago, but you had these small scrappy startups who put everything out in public GitHub repos, and they were absolutely dominating the space. These larger enterprises who had more resources, but just couldn't coordinate properly. But the bottleneck there was you had all this code, but no data to run it on. And I realized that blockchains were the ultimate data repository that scale had already scaled to millions and were going to scale to billions. And this enabled... Better, I mean, better, better competition, a higher individual leverage. One single unknown person could leave their mark, and so that that opportunity that code speaks for itself and anybody can put stuff out there was incredibly appealing to me. Love it, yeah. So I saw this quote of yours where you say, "If this is the space where the smartest, sharpest individuals can prove themselves, then the space itself is going to flourish." And I was curious how you'd reflect on that these days, kind of from the doldrums of where the market's been at for the last while. Like, how has developer interest been impacted and, and really like developer attention from your perspective, if at all? Yeah, a lot of the tourists, I think, have been washed out. You have to have fundamental understanding and interest and thesis about the space that goes beyond here is the number of daily active users. Because to be frank, if you're going for a DAU count, Ethereum and Bitcoin and even Solana are not the places to be. But <clears throat> I see it as much more of a land grab. You've got this wild west to settle. And who's going to build the killer apps that last for the next decade, next three decades? So a lot of tourists get washed out, but I don't know that they were the ones building lasting things in the first place. I think people that come from a Web2 background without understanding or appreciation for crypto principles tend to build things that don't last. 
uh, mess of upgradable contracts and ruggable code and approaching things much more like front-end development than rocket ship development, where you have one chance to launch this and it either goes off without a hitch or it blows up. So, but that said there, frankly, still isn't that much developer talent or interest in the space. So that doesn't bother me a ton. I think that's actually better, the (laughs) more opportunity for me. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk a little bit about Delegate, where I think Delegate's probably, you know, your most well-known project here. And it's seen pretty tremendous adoption in the short time since founding. So just to help people who don't know what Delegate is, can you explain what Delegate is and how it works? Mm -hmm. So Delegate is trying to solve the UX problem of crypto. People have 5, 10, 20, 50 wallets. They have forgotten where their stuff is. They can't interact. You might store your valuable assets in a hardware device vault, but then be on the go on the bus with only your mobile app when it comes time to claim an airdrop or participate in governance or try out this new on-chain game or on-chain social. And so Delegate is this, I think, a unique approach at account abstraction that lets you link wallets together like a decentralized access control or crypto native power of attorney. So you can link wallets together in this on-chain database and then other people or apps can read that same on-chain database and say, okay, wallet A has given powers to wallet B. I'm going to let wallet B connect to my site, do the things they would want to. So it's really powerful access control that enables reuse over and over again. Set it once, use it a hundred times. Very cool. So I think you guys have already moved kind of beyond the initial sort of product and scope that you started out with too. So I I was really curious to hear more about some of the backstory about how Delegates evolved since launch and maybe what directions you're most excited about exploring from here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to start out with, it was this very simple security tool, link two wallets together, interact from a hot wallet. But what I realized is we actually stumbled upon or created an entirely new way of operating within crypto, where asset custody is no longer linked one-to-one with asset utility. You can store the asset here and you can access and you can access its utility from another place. And this is obviously great for security, but you can build interesting economics around this. So one product that we're launching over the next couple of weeks, or maybe it will have launched already by the time this pod comes out, is Delegate Marketplace or Liquid Delegate where you can tokenize delegate rights. These rights might be something like one ticket to ApeFest, or it can be claim an upcoming airdrop, or it can be play this game, or it can be the rights to a crypto social account. Um, All of these rights can be tokenized and traded around as if they were any other NFT, any other 721. And that enables really interesting, powerful models Oftentimes, these whales, be they large institutions or just individuals with, with enough foresight, they might have 100 assets in their wallet. And there's no way that they don't have time to be tracking Discord, looking for airdrop eligibility, playing, making 100 gamer accounts, maintaining 100 profiles. If there's a physical merch drop, are you going to need 100 leather jackets? No. But on the other hand, you've got all these people who maybe want to enter or try out the community but don't quite have the spare change to buy the core asset, they can experiment at the fringes. They can buy access to one of these smaller things. 
So it both makes lives easier for the whales and it enables community expansion for people who want to try before they buy. So that, that's one thing I'm really excited about. Yeah, super cool. So going back to the beginning, I'm really always curious about kind of early challenges, whether they were technical or market, whatever. Like, how did you think about some of the maybe one or two earliest challenges to building what you built with Delegate? And how did you and your team solve for those? The biggest challenges are that we occupy this awkward category. People aren't quite sure what to make of us. We're not base infra. We're not an L1. We're not a bridge. But we're also not a direct consumer app, like something like Uniswap or Friendtech. We enable a whole host of experiences, but um, being being middleware infra, being the connection between the L1 and the app is an awkward spot to be in because there just aren't that many, <laughs> there aren't many devs in crypto. So especially there aren't many competent devs in crypto. And so BD and integrations scale proportionally to how many people there are out there doing stuff. And so I think we, we've crushed it on that front. Over 100 plus project integrations, Yuga Labs multiple times, Azuki, OpenSea, Artblocks, over and over again. I think, I think we've done that quite well, but it hasn't come easily. We really had to work and nurture those relationships. But now that they're there, people have used it. They've had good experiences. They trust us. It opens the doors to a lot more launches where other people are starting from zero. We're starting on the halfway mark. Love it. Okay, super interesting. You know, you mentioned just now developer interest and, and really just developer presence. It's not quite maybe how people perceive it to be. And I think I'm curious, like, what do you think are the main bottlenecks there? Like, what's preventing more devs from getting involved in the blockchain space? A unique element of crypto is that you can't really abstract away risk. In most industries, even say web to big tech bang jobs, you can unless you're at a low or even medium level, say L5 software engineer, you don't have to worry too much about do I have the right manager? Am I at the right company? Stuff's decently fungible. If you have a, if you have a bad manager, you can transfer teams. If Facebook has the same beta as Google and Apple and Amazon, and so you don't really have to when you're thinking about like which company do I join, for example, then they're all decently interchangeable. There are some quirks, of course, but you're not gonna your experience is largely homogenized. And compare that to, of course, the startup world, but the the crypto world where everything's a startup. And you have piled on these regulatory and these legal and these and this price risk on top of all the things that all the personality quirks and struggles that can befall a normal startup. And it doesn't matter if you are the founder or you are higher number 20, you have the same exposure to broader market conditions or just adopting a bad idea and going down the wrong rabbit hole. You can't really so you can't really abstract away that risk. And that's tough for a lot of people, especially in the programming field where you want predictability, you want determinism, and crypto simply does not offer that. You have to be willing to dabble in multiple fields at once. And if you don't, there are real, there's real downside. So I think there's a, yeah, just by virtue of being so far out on the risk curve, you got to be a certain personality type. And that often is, is opposed to the typical programmer profile. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense, actually. So, you know, we've talked some about Delegate. One other thing I wanted to ask you about is Frontech, because it's obviously kind of taken over 
sort of the crypto Twitter narrative as of late, and you've been a big part of it with Wrapped Friends. So could you explain to the audience what Friendtech is, why you're such a big fan, why you wanted to get involved a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no affiliation with the Friendtech team. I mean, Erase enjoyed Erasure's tweets for a long time, K-pop as they may be. But I just, I love new experiments. We don't, I think we, there's too much boring forking going on and not enough innovative tries. And I think that crypto itself is somewhat to blame for denoting everything that succeed as a rug. But it's, I think, a novel, novel take on the social token element. They've done some things well where BitClout didn't, like letting people opt in before their shares become being traded and really clear utilization of the new progressive web app push notifications that iOS just enabled a couple months ago, combined with account abstraction on an EOA level, not a smart contract level. So, but that said, they clearly have executed quite well, but certain things like the smart contract, <laughs> to be blunt, looked like it was written in, written in half a day. So that, that leaves a lot of room for improvement, like shares can't be transferred, for example. And maybe that was intentional, maybe that wasn't. But saw an opportunity to add a little more programmability and functionality to the whole ecosystem. So launched a, launched a little factory that let you buy a, that let users opt into turning a share into an ERC-20. And I mean, every, everything's still quite small, but it's been fun to see people picking that up and experimenting with it over the weekend. Yeah, fascinating. How do you see, you know, when, because you've been around a bit, like when you see these kind of innovative experiments pop up, I feel like some people may be asking, like, is this just kind of people FOMOing into a speculative bubble? Is it sustainable? I'm curious how you think about these experiments, specifically in crypto, where, you know, is that distinction even even worth making right now? Or is it just a good thing that things are being built, things are being tried? Where do you land on all that? Mm -hmm. I think speculative has such a negative connotation that people forget the point of speculation. Uh, speculation is actually, in, in moderation, is societally beneficial. The point of speculation is to look at things that don't work and say, maybe this can work. And if we pour more resources into it, then we can turn it from not working into working. And that's the, that, that's the market signal, is people spend their money on what they think will work in the future. And then people have resource, and then people have resources to develop that and, and and expand it, and you can literally will creation into reality. So is it speculative? Yes, I think like everything is. It's probably more more speculative than both, and especially in crypto, people have a tendency to take an all or nothing perspective of either either this is the future of finance or it's a rug. <laughs> and the reality <laughs> is that most things are in the middle. Like most things are kind of interesting and kind of useful to a niche group of people. And I think that this is probably, that's that's far too muted to describe the excitement going around front tech right now. But yeah, I don't think it's going to cure cancer, but I think it's a really interesting mechanism that systematizes what people have been doing in more roundabout ways for a while. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I want to ask you a question that's kind of become a recurring one on this podcast, where if I ask you, or if I say the future of crypto is blank, how would you fill in the blank? Hmm. That's a tough one. I think crypto has, it, feel, it feels like it is bifurcating into two paths. 
of the institutionally accepted, boring, neutered stuff and the on-chain degeneracy that continues, continues pushing limits. So I, I think that we're finally moving away from a world where, I mean, in, in the beginning, it was just coin, Bitcoin is crypto. And then you realize that, no, you can actually do smart contracts with Ethereum. Now people are saying, what if you sped up Ethereum 1000x and didn't really care about state or sustainability? What can you build then? So I think that we are finally entering an era where there is not one homogenous crypto. There are a bunch of really interesting hotspot experiments happening within it. Yeah, kind of. I guess I guess yeah. that, that's how I frame it. What is yeah, it's like? What, what is the future? What is the future of the internet? It, in, the, in the beginning, you could say probably e-commerce is going to take off, but now it's fractured into mainly social media, but probably other things too. <laughs> so. Yeah, probably future of crypto is fractured is what I would go with. Yeah, love it. So I'm curious about something you just said about that bifurcation where, you know, as you look out, maybe I'm just kind of gathering that the institutional boring is obviously not what makes you most excited, right? Like that's not what probably you got into the space hoping would happen or imagining would happen, right? But I, as you look out more on kind of what you, what sounds like you may consider kind of true crypto in some ways, are there any trajectories or possibilities that you see from your vantage point that are especially exciting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that institutional products and adoption aren't important. It's just not quite my skill set. There are, I might be 50th percentile in that and 98th percentile in something else. And so I just choose to focus my efforts on where I think I bring, where I think I'm most useful. Um, so sorry, what was the question you asked? Yeah, just as as you kind of look out on these experiments that I imagine you have some great visibility into, you know, are there any particular, maybe not like on the project level, but like any particular trajectories or possibilities that you're kind of most excited about for, you know, the crypto native folks, like the things that may be niche and may stay niche, but are cool regardless? Mm-hmm. The three key verticals I see that have strong promise but haven't exploded yet are gaming, social and privacy. First two are exciting, and a lot of people think the third is weird. But gaming obviously just occupies a giant percentage of the world at large's attention. Uh, crypto obviously has the power to potential to align economics a lot better in what are very closed economies and ecosystems right now. But it also makes things much tougher. In a permissionless ecosystem, you can't ban a bot for botting. You have to build a game that allows both humans and bots to play and is still fun for the humans. And that, I mean, <laughs> there are mathematical theorems you can get into about that, but that's a tall, that's a really tall task. Um, but it does mean that once whoever cracks it, and if you can crack it well, um, it's far more robust. It's not going go go to go out of style in a couple of months. Then obviously, I think social is huge. We're seeing the emergence of a lot more microeconomies where a thousand true fans a couple, couple decades ago didn't mean a ton, but now you can power your entire life off that in a variety of ways. And then, of course, privacy, I think, is hugely important for human rights and anti-authoritarianism, but also enables more interesting design spaces. You just can't, there, there are things you can do in private blockchains that you can't do in public blockchains. A simple example being an auction. If you're trying to sell something and have people submit bids, 
it's not in a public blockchain. You can see how much money people have in their wallets. You can outbid them by 0.01 and be guaranteed to get the thing. And so people have to do all sorts of obfuscation on chain firms. You can't do large size on chain, for example, because there's a lot of adversarial front running, back running, briefing, and so on. And private blockchains just don't have these problems because they embed privacy by default. So I think a lot of people approach it from the human rights perspective, and that's certainly the most important. But from a pragmatic, what's going to get this thing adopted perspective, I think people are underselling just how useful it is and what sorts of new interesting things you can do there that you can't in the status quo. Love it. Okay. So, Fubar, a couple last questions for you here. Um, You know, one I just wanted to touch on since, you know, an interesting thing about crypto is the prevalence of Anons in the space. And as a prominent Anon account on Twitter, I was curious, like, what is one thing people wouldn't think would matter to kind of maintaining privacy while sort of still leading the charge in all kinds of interesting and material ways in the space? Sorry, is that a a why question or a how? What do you mean? Like, what's something that people wouldn't expect would be a big component of maintaining your Anon status while still like doing things in the world, right? Like still leading projects, etc. I think that it's interesting because I've moved from Anon to pseudo-Anon. The difference being an Anon like does not blast their legal name everywhere, but also doesn't have any reputation. Like if you spin up a new Twitter account with zero followers, that's an Anon. Whereas a pseudo-Anon is somebody who has maybe like aspects of their life aren't disclosed, but they have reputation, they have history, they have things they can point back on. And really any good, it's very hard to, if you're interested in making impact, it's hard to not move from Anon to pseudo-Anon over the years. So the weirdest thing about that is probably that people know me, but I don't know them. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Like if I, I'll come on, I'll come on to a call or something and people will start rattling off all the things they love about me or, or what I did or how they love something I wrote and so on. And I like, haven't even learned their, <laughs> I haven't even learned their name <laughs> What yet. was your name so again? It's very, it's very yeah. asymmetric. Like in a friendship, you've, Like if I've been out to dinner with you, then you've been out to dinner with me. And so we've spent the same amount of time with each other that we've spent with that the other has spent with us. Um, And on the internet, it's very parasocial. It's not that way. Somebody can have spent a hundred hours looking at learning about you and you've spent a minute learning about them. So that that's a funny asymmetry. It doesn't really happen in real life. I mean, athletes and politicians and celebrities, sure. But I have none of those and still experiencing it. So maybe yeah, something you wouldn't quite expect. Yep, definitely. Okay, two last questions for you, Fubar. First question, if you could give yourself, you know, via time machine, you could go back to kind of your earlier self, knowing what you know now, maybe around the time as you're getting into crypto, what is maybe your most generalizable advice that you would want to kind of impart to earlier Fubar? I'd say to not be so frantic. There was a, had a strong feeling of like, this is the time, when now or when never. And to some degree, that was true. But, but you also just underestimate the compound, compounding abilities. I think that like peak bull run, for example, maybe had access to more resources, but wouldn't have known what to do with them. And having been able to really try a lot of stuff out and some of it works, some of it didn't, learned a ton either way. 
I think that ab- abilities are compounding. And so don't be, try the stuff that'll make you learn the most. Love it. Great advice. Okay. Last question for Delegate. What are you guys working on right now? And what is the best way to follow along on the journey? Mm-hmm. So we are cooking up some really exciting stuff around, I think the, the core belief is that the future is multi-wallet and multi-chain. And so if you take those as axioms, there are practically zero apps in the world that are built with this expectation. Some like Bridges think it's going to be multi-chain. Very few apps are built for multi-wallet. And the goal here is how do we make that mainstream, which is a big lift. But we've got some product lines coming out that I think should aggressively simplify and make it really compelling to both use and build on. So you can follow along my Twitter, 0xfubar, the delegate Twitter, delegate.xyz, D-O-T-X-Y-Z. And of course, our our website, delegate.xyz, should have the latest info. Perfect. Fubar, thank you so much for the time. This was a really insightful conversation, and I'm excited for all you're up to. So thank you for chatting today, and have a good rest of your week here. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. Bye-bye.